Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, what do you like to do late at night? Well, things that I can say on an episode where my mom listens to. Uh, it depends. Usually watch TV. That's what I was more thinking. Oh, I don't know oh, where you're okay. going. Okay. Sorry. I'm glad, okay. glad we're on the same page. Well, I love late night television also. And that's what we're going to talk about today. On Can We Talk About? Can we talk about late night TV? Yes, please. This is my, if I can, if I went to college and I wrote like a master's, like what do they do? What are those called? Like when you write a, like a dissertation. Your dissertation, or yeah. Yeah, it would be on this exact subject. It is my one area of expertise. It is my one area of study. And I am, I have so much to talk about because there's a lot happening. And I, I love that because while I enjoy it, yeah. I don't know a lot about it. So I'm excited because you're going to you're oh, going to be gonna... dropping knowledge bombs left and right. Yeah, absolutely. And and you have to jump in with all the questions and stuff because okay. I'm going to rattle off as a, as an expert on the subject. Okay. Um so uh, right now just for context where we are today, we have Jimmy Fallon is hosting the Tonight Show, Seth Meyers is hosting Late Night, and then on CBS you have uh Stephen Colbert and everyone's favorite. No one has any problem with James Corden. <laughs> um, I'll talk about him in a bunch uh, at some point. But uh, and then um, over on ABC, you have um, Jimmy Kimmel, who's been there for a couple of years, just doing his own thing. But I'm talking about legacy late night shows. Legacy. Do you know the story? Which is a funny story to start with. But I, I was reading on the internet, so I was maybe on Reddit or something, that people seem to have forgotten or not known of the story of like what happened to Conan. Do you know oh, what happened? I can't to believe Conan? we're even talking about this right now because I fell into yeah. the deepest TikTok rabbit hole about this story. Yeah. And I don't remember where I think I was listening to a oh, I was listening to a podcast. I was listening okay. to the Smartless podcast. Okay. And they were talking to Conan and all three of them were saying how awful it was. Yeah. What happened to him and how he just took it like a damn champion and just moved on. And yeah. I am a huge Conan O'Brien fan. And if you're about to ruin that for me, I think I'll be sad. No, not at all. Okay. In fact, okay, cool. And it's and it's funny too, because this may be you may be finding the genesis for why I wanted to talk about this, because I think there was a TikTok like series of videos that tried to explain it but was also very wrong. And I was like angry oh, about it. And I'm just like, what? this didn't okay. happen that long ago. Why does no one know the story? So, okay. I'm going to rewind the clock way, way back because to understand what happened to Conan, you have to understand what happened to David Letterman and Jay Leno, which do you know that story? I know it enough that I know it, but not enough to retell it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you're yeah. saying it, I'm going to be like, oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, I will say there is a movie that was produced by HBO, one of like the very first HBO movies that was produced, like original movie back in the 90s that covered this. It was based off a book written by um, a reporter who covered television for I think it was the New York Times at the time. Uh, the movie was called The Late Shift. It has a lot of great actors and, and comedians in it. And I highly recommend watching that because it'll do it justice. And, and it's it's just it's great movie. Go Watch it. If you can. Okay. Here is essentially the story that that movie tells anyway. Back in the in the late 80s, early 90s, we're talking is when 
Johnny Carson was the king of late night. The Tonight Show was a staple. There was no competitors, right? There was nothing on CBS, nothing on ABC. Those were like the big three networks at the time. Fox was becoming like a little thing in the background somewhere, but didn't, still didn't have a late night show. Carson was on every night, but obviously Carson, the the human, couldn't be on every night. So he would have people fill in for him. So the Tonight Show was always brand new, like almost all year round. If he wasn't there, he would have fill-in guest hosts. Had a lot of famous guest hosts. I'll get back to that in a second. But as a fun side note, one of the things was on Saturday nights on NBC, they would play the best of Johnny Carson, the best of The Tonight Show. And Carson was like, you were airing way too many of my best ofs. If I want to actually take off, I can't take off because you're burning them Saturday nights. So you need to find something else to play on Saturday nights, which eventually is why Saturday Night Live became a thing was because he was like, stop playing That's amazing. on Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very, very separate side note. But as a bunch of the different guest hosts that existed there, David Letterman in the early 80s picked up and he was doing the, the late night and he was there and it was sort of like a unspoken commitment that, yeah, the moment like when Johnny Carson eventually retired, David Letterman would pick up that shift and move down to 1130. If this sounds familiar in the whole Conan situation, here's what happened. And it's very sneaky inner inner turmoil behind the scenes drama that happened. There was a few people that used to guest host the tonight show. One of them was Jay Leno. And when he hosted, he did pretty well filling in for Carson. His manager leaked a story that NBC was contemplating who to replace Carson with. And that Jay Leno was the front runner. Oh, fuck. Now, Carson had no, like, no plans to retire or anything, but he was also a very uh, savvy kind of, you know, business person or what, what have you in the show business. And he blindsided NBC. So in May, they have these things called upfronts, which is where they bring all the advertisers in and say, hey, come on. And we'll tell you about all the new shows that are starting up this fall and let you meet some of the actors and stars. And they brought Carson in because, you know, Carson knew how to do crowd work and he was the staple of late night. And it was at that upfront that he announced that the next season of his show would be his last. And he was leaving oh. the Tonight Show. Oh, that was boy. the first time he announced it. He, the, even NBC wasn't aware of this and he blindsided them. So his reaction to getting like seeing these articles and things like, oh, NBC's planning for the next move and stuff was to just be like, screw it. Fine. You want to get rid of me? I'll quit. How about that? And you guys can figure out the next steps. And so he did. He announced his retirement. And so that put into motion like, all right, well, what's what are we going to do? Who's going to replace him? And that's when all of a sudden Letterman's like, all right, here, here it comes. But Leno's manager was kind of working behind the scenes. Again, go watch the movie if you can. But essentially it goes into a battle between David Letterman and Jay Leno. And eventually NBC picks Jay Leno. And then that's why you get Jay Leno on The Tonight Show and, and, and Dave Letterman says, screw it. You want to screw me over? Fine. I'll go. And he ends up at CBS where he goes head to head with uh, with Jay Leno, his his arch rival. And that, that, that's the whole rivalry they've had for their entire career. Um, so, so that's that part one of the story. personal as well as professional? Like, are they, yeah. because I, I've, I, what did I just watch where they did something? Was it Comedians and Cars Coffee where he talked about how like, one of them talks about how that's not like it's been a while that doesn't exist anymore. Well, yeah, they, they didn't talk for years. And okay. then I think it was Letterman who had the idea that like, there, there was like a Super Bowl commercial that they did together where it was like them and uh, Oprah sitting between them 
And it was like a big shock, like these two guys who were known in the industry for not liking each other, for holding this kind of rivalry over the years, um, decided to do this like little commercial where they made it look like they like weren't actually <laughs> enemies after all. So, yeah, that broke up. But I think I think at this point, too, like Letterman is old enough and especially who just like I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so that's that happens in the early 90s. Uh, we flash forward to the early 2000s. And if you remember in the early 2000s, especially like Conan hosted, I think it was the Oscars or the Emmys, whatever. I don't know. One of them. Um, he was big. There was a moment in in his career when like especially in the early 2000s when Conan was a hot commodity. And so he started getting offers from ABC, from Fox, from other places to be like, hey, why don't you come over here? You're not getting The Tonight Show anytime soon. Why don't you come over here? So NBC is like, we don't want another Letterman situation. We don't want to like basically, you know, incubate a, a great late night host and then have him disappear from our network and then go work for a competitor. Um, so here's the deal. We're going to make him. We're going to guarantee you The Tonight Show. And so they cut a oh deal boy. with Conan to guarantee him the Tonight Show on whatever X year it was. And then they went to Leno and they were like, hey, so we don't want to lose Conan. We love Conan. So we're going to set a date and, and as if they he'll take over the show. They didn't go to him first. And Leno was always a company guy. Like, oh, yeah, whatever you guys want. Like, just kind of went along with it and was like, oh, yeah, sure. All right. I'll give him the Tonight Show. But now what was weird and that they didn't expect because it wasn't like Leno was a hot commodity. He was just, you know, he worked for middle America. He was getting the ratings. This ends up transpiring into <laughs> Leno starts getting meetings with other networks and Fox and other places are like, hey, they're ousting you. You want to come over here after you're done with the Tonight Show? Oh, fuck. Which they didn't they didn't expect. So anyway, so that's why when it eventually comes down to it, Conan does move to the, to the Tonight Show but all of a sudden they were like, oh, we, we can't lose Leno because Leno might just become our competitor. And so they off they're like, what do you want to do? And so they end up offering him the 10 p.m. slot every night. So it goes from Leno in prime time into the local news into the Tonight Show. There's a few hitches in this plan because this has never happened before. Right. So all of a sudden, like, you know, Leno is on an hour and a half earlier than he used to be and all this other kind of crazy stuff. Well, anyway, here's what happens. If you know, and it's changed now, but if you remember, like the Tonight Show was in LA and Late Night was in New York, right? Yeah. So they had two different sets of guests, right? If like a uh, an actor was promoting a new movie, they'd do their PR rounds in LA and then they'd fly to New York and do their PR rounds, right? Well, now Conan and Leno are in the same lot. <laughs> they're in the same city, so now they're like fighting over the same guest and Leno's getting better treatment because they've known Leno, right? He's always worked in LA. And so now Leno is still there siphoning off his guests. And on top of that too, like if they, if viewers who knew Leno and weren't ready to give up on Leno were like, yeah, I just want to tune into like his, you know, monologue, get some like topical jokes and stuff and go to sleep. They were already getting that with Leno. So like why stay up and watch Conan do the same thing? So Conan's ratings were were smaller, right? We're like reducing yeah. from where Leno left off, but also he was like sort of there was this argument of like, well, he's also kind of siphoning off our guests and our and our ratings and everything else. So this turns into a whole turmoil, and then they're just like, well, we have to fix this, and Leno's all upset, and yeah, everyone's upset, and the affiliates for the first time are like, you know what? Screw it! Like we'll just we'll take a step back and we'll just not air the Tonight Show. 
Like we'll just oh, run reruns and, and not air the tonight show. And it was in their right to do that. So that's when they scrambled and said, okay, okay, we're going to make everything right. We're going to, we'll, we'll put Leno back at 1130 and we'll move the tonight show to midnight and then move at that point. It was uh Jimmy Fallon. We'll, we'll push him into like, you know, what is it like one, 2 AM or whatever the hell it was to explain a little bit or an anecdote that I always loved when NBC would be like, Oh, you did great in ratings or want to reward you or just send you a gift. They would send Leno like some exotic car or something, right? That was their like gifts to him. That was how they celebrated, you know, uh, Leno for Conan. He like when they were just like, Hey, is there anything we can get you? Like anything like we can show your appreciation our appreciation for you. And his answer was like, he appreciated the history of NBC like prior to being a television network and like the history of broadcasting. And he was like, Hey, do you have any of those, like those old microphones, like the ones they used to like broadcast, like the original, like radio shows at WNBC and stuff. They're like, that's what you want. Like a dusty microphone from our archives in the basement. Like, yeah. Like they sent out a page to go down to the archives, to go grab a microphone. Like, here you go. And he like treasured it because he had an appreciation for like broadcast history and all these things. And so that's why, like, moving The Tonight Show to 12 o'clock after midnight was, like, egregious to him. Like, it was something that was like, you don't you do not do that. It's, it's The yeah, Tonight Show. Absolutely. And so it's an institution. So that, like, was a point where he was just like, nope, that's my break point. <laughs> like, I don't want that. Um, and so that's why he ended up, like, taking a step back and, and wa- walking. But, um, yeah, so that's that's the... That makes me so sad. He got fucked over so badly. I mean, he did, but at the same time, too, I mean, I will say, too, like, growing up, the the late night with Conan O'Brien, like, Conan always looked up to David Letterman and thought that, like, the, you know, the late night with David Letterman was, like, this institution and something that David created, which he did. Like, he set this entire new, like, structure of late night television, and it was silly, Right. It was like he wore like, you know, the a host wore a late, like a Velcro vest and jumped on a wall and like, you know, silly, yeah. stupid pack tricks and all these other things that he did that broke the mold or were sarcastic. And when I used to try to describe like what I loved about late night with like I'd gone to go see some of the recordings like I lived in New York. So like, you know, me and my friends would be like, oh, hey, we got tickets to go see late night. Let's go into the city to go see an episode of late night. Um, and it was great. Like what was amazing about it was the world around Conan was silly, right? It was just like he played the straight man and everything around him was silly and goofy and and wacky. And that was hilarious to me. Like the writing and like just the, yeah. Agreed. It was just, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me of like, my hope was like, oh, it would like create a new generation of like, you know, from Letterman to Conan and the, what generation comes out of Conan for that. And like you and I were also like, we love like Mr. Show and Mr. Show, like even like, you know, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross had like sort of referenced a few times, especially in like their books and commentary and stuff of like, um, Monty Python was their influence yeah, where they were just like, it was silly and like, you know, um, so you can see how like the translation of all like the influences through the years, but, um, uh, but yeah. And then, the last one I'll mention there too, because obviously David Letterman was a staple and did his thing. Did you ever watch uh, Craig Ferguson? I'm so glad you said that because I loved Craig Ferguson. Loved I Craig did. Ferguson. He was he wasn't good. That's not like I was like, oh my god, I'm watching groundbreaking <laughs> TV. Yeah. But there was 
a sarcasm to him. He was yeah. always slightly disheveled. You could tell yeah. that that man is or was actively going through some sort of addiction recovery. He, yeah. But he also, he would always teeter the line as far as like cursing went of being yeah. inappropriate. Like yeah. his comedy was a little bit darker. I think that's yeah. why I liked him. Well, what's funny too is you, the, the way you mentioned it too, because the, the signature to me was the unbuttoned shirt, like, yeah. like the unbuttoned up button up shirt. But what's funny is that's not how he started. He started doing it straight and he started it as like, you know, just doing a late night show. And then there was something and I, and I wish I knew what exactly what it was, but there was a turning point for him when he said, screw it. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing it like this. And then just, un and this, he said he like, and it's funny because it's a physical manifestation of him changing, but he took the tie off and like just unbuttoned his top and like, we're just going to do it like this. But I just also felt like he was one of the people. Jeff, yeah. wasn't it Jeff? Geoff? Jeff? Yeah. yeah. Jeff? Josh Robert Thomas Thompson, who played Jeff, the robotic sidekick. I mean, all those characters and silliness. And then one of the things that I loved, and if you can't tell, I'll, I'll break the fourth wall for a moment. Um, I've done this throughout my radio career, but what was interesting to me is the opening of the show was actually recorded at the end of the show. So they would do all their jokes you know, make all their inside jokes and stuff. And that would come out during the show. And then at the end of the, once they say goodbye, everybody, the camera would, everyone would clap, fade out. And then they would record the intro to the show, which would include all these references and like mentions of things that, you know, you don't even know was actually coming. They didn't know was actually coming in the beginning, but the wraparound, it was fun. It was, you oh, record the that. intro at the end. Yeah. I like, that. um, I just, I just loved how they handled that show. It was so much fun. Um, that one was just off the rails. I really miss, I'm I miss Craig that, Ferguson. I'm glad that you said that because I was like, do I even bring up the fact that I like Craig Ferguson? It's like, I'm perpetually rooting for the underdog. And I felt like yeah. Craig Ferguson was like the drunk girl at the party. It was like, well, I'm here to party. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, what's funny too is, and, and this is the part that I don't think a lot of people know is he left around the same time that obviously, um, you know, Jimmy Fallon took over the tonight show and then James Corden replaced him on the late, late show at that time, especially in like, there was this drive to become more like British talk shows who were like more like panel shows. They'd have a bunch of guests on, they'd play silly games. They do, which I love them, but it <laughs> works there. I don't yeah. think that would work here. No, and they, they've tried it, right? I mean, that's what The Tonight Show sort of turned into is like, you know, like, I don't know, Ariana Grande comes out with like a solo cup on her head and someone dressed as a pinata throwing ping pong balls at her. And it's like, ah, and Jimmy Fallon's jumping on top of the couch laughing and pushing out fake laughter. What made it work in the UK was the fact that it was organic. It's just people having a conversation or like, oh, let's play a silly game, but like laughing through it. Like there's been some great stuff I've seen out of British television doing like late night or playing with like telling stories with, you know, celebrities and oh, stuff. Are but, you kidding me? Graham Norton to me yeah. is like one of the best late yeah. night television hosts. Yeah. He, that show is, if I were ever to be in that world, yeah. being able to be a guest on the Graham Norton couch to me would be like pinnacle fun. I mean, some of the funniest stories I've heard have been yeah. off of that couch from celebrities. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, too. Everyone tried to emulate. I'm, I'm glad you said it because I wasn't going to paint it, like, pick it out. But everyone seemed to try to emulate Graham Norton. 
in in the U.S. And that's with the Late Show. I mean, uh, the Late Late Show and with the Tonight Show. Um, and I will say what's what's interesting though too is like I think the landscape has changed. And I was watching some YouTuber did an entire like their own dissertation on late night, the format and everything. And and the thing is like with social media and all this other stuff, like celebrities are so much more accessible now that yeah. the whole concept of the format doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right. Like even the concepts of like the, the monologue jokes that they have. Um, like if you just open Twitter, there's some comedian making those same jokes hours Absolutely. before these shows air. Yeah, the news is so much more. Uh, we're not waiting till late night to hear what happened to celebrities or what happened yeah. in the news. We've gotten our news all day on our phones. We've gotten yeah. our updates. We already know what happened. Yeah, the comedy around it, though, I appreciate still. But you know, also, I mean, even looking back, because uh, were you a Leno person or were you a? Oh, I was a Letterman uh, guy. I was a Letterman, Letterman guy. guy. Okay, I, mean, I think I don't know if it came from the fact. I mean, obviously, I was too young to know the stories behind everything until I eventually learned it. Although knowing me, I mean, I, I grew up on HBO. So, I mean, that the late shift came out in 96. So I probably watched the movie and was like, oh yeah, screw this Leno guy. Yeah. yeah. Cause, um, um, but no, I mean, Letterman was funnier to me because he didn't care. I loved and I latched onto that sarcasm. I remember there was this like, you know, there's this random stupid bit that me and my friends used to laugh at because I would record on VHS like Letterman at night and then like rewatch the episodes the next day. And I didn't care about the the celebrity interviews or anything. It was just about like the bits, like the first half hour of the show. And they did this like random bit where they just like got an a audience member. And, and it was like when Godzilla, there was like sequels to Jurassic Park and they put like a random audience member in front of a green screen and like had him enact like this fake movie and they called ghost dinosaur 97 and then just, and then there's Letterman in the background, just like smirking, like, ah, oh, this is the stupidest bit ever. And that got me like, that was what I found hilarious was his reaction, like lack of reaction of how stupid this thing is that they're doing and it's so silly that it's funny, but it, what makes it funnier to me is the fact that he's could care less and just doesn't and thinks it's stupid yeah. or they're throwing watermelons off the roof of the studio in the middle of Manhattan, <laughs> like just silly stuff. And and then that translates over to Conan, who's sitting there and like, you know, oh, we're going to pull up. We're going to pull up the satellite dish on the roof and play along with the bit. And we're going to pull up these like channels you don't get anywhere else. And they just have all these kind of wacky fake channels that they'd pull up and they were just skits and stuff. And, and then Conan had the same reaction where he was just like, this is the stupidest thing ever, but it was so wacky and funny. And he, and he committed to the bit. That's that absolutely influenced my humor as an adult. Um, but, and I was latched on to that kind of stuff since, since I was a kid. So, um, you know, now kids just watch TikTokers, you know, these damn kids these days, you know. I know. But I mean, here's I mean, we can get into the Seth Meyers and all those. Guys. Yeah. But when I was younger, um, very much so my mom worked overnights. I was the oldest sibling. It was kind of, like I kind of just took care of myself, you know. Yeah. There was parental people there, but also it was just like my mom was like, you know, right and wrong. Like you're yeah. you can figure it out. So I would missed a lot of school because I was a really sick kid. So I would be up late at night 
And I watched all these shows probably far too young. Yeah. And it wasn't like now where you could record one and just watch the other live. It was like you had to pick in that moment, like what you were going to watch. And because I don't know why this is so. Jay Leno doesn't know if I watched him. Yeah. He doesn't know that I'm not watching tonight, but I would feel yeah. bad if I watched one or the other. So I would try to alternate like who I watched, <laughs> like, cause I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. And I, you know, like I, even as a young kid, I could appreciate watching Letterman was like watching an artist do something yeah. that they were very good at when it came to comedy. And I liked Jay Leno. I liked yeah. watching Jay Leno's shows. I thought he was funny. I thought he was, you know. Yeah. He is what he is. I can't watch reruns of that show now because, my God, the out-of-pocket things they could ask young girls. It is, like, <laughs> disgusting. But, you know, I, I did. I liked both of them, but I was definitely, I would say, far more Letterman. But I really yeah. liked Craig Ferguson, like, a lot. Oh, Craig, uh, Craig was my like, favorite. a lot. I mean, that, hands down, that was yeah. probably my number one of the three. I say it I say it reluctantly because, obviously, Conan was, like, a, such a huge part of my life. But, but Craig Ferguson... I think was the best. He was the one who I watch clips now on YouTube because there's no script. There's they just kind of roll with it. They mess with the format. They are silly with it. And just I think that's what it was. And to to go from like Leno, like Leno would make a joke in his monologue. And then who was who was his band leader? Do you remember his name? Oh, God, no. Yeah, his name. Which would like on the bass guitar, would go, like like they'd yeah. have like a riff. To his joke, kind of like a, okay, that's that's the punchline. Like, it was like a, a bass riff. And I'm just like, no, that makes it less funny to me. Versus like Conan, who would make a stupid joke and then stare at the screen and then string dance because he's stupid Conan. and he knows the joke is stupid, <laughs> yeah. right? Versus Craig Ferguson, who threw the jokes out completely and was just like, I don't, I'm not doing monologues. I don't care. I'd rather pull random audience members from the audience and then just joke around with them for the first 10 minutes of the show. Yeah, like, I agree. And yeah. I also liked the way that celebrities, like you could feel there was nothing organic about celebrities telling stories on yeah. late night television. Like that's everybody yeah. just knows that it's like, I just so happened to see the picture of a giraffe yesterday. Say, didn't you see a giraffe recently? Yeah. And it's just like so gross. But whenever yeah. I watch Craig Ferguson, it would literally, they would sit there sometimes in silence and he'd be like, are you going to start this or should I? Oh, yeah, the first thing he would do, they would sit down, he would rip the cards in half and (laughs) throw them in the air. Yeah. And it was just like, you could, I feel like celebrities probably enjoyed that because they could just go on and be a human. Yeah. And not be like, what have you prepared? What have you prepared for this evening? That was the thing too, is like, and and this is getting a little meta, but like, I mean, clearly, and I think the audience knows, like I had a radio career before this. I, I interviewed people. In fact- well, plug, I mean, it's not, we're not making new episodes, but I had this thing called the 128 podcast where I would interview EDM artists and DJs and stuff. And, and that was a genesis for me for like, when I worked in radio, all my other, all the other hosts I worked with were like doing prep and like trying to like ask an intern to help them out to like get information or like, where are they performing next or all this information. And I, you know, partially out of laziness, I'll admit it. But would just be like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just going to go in there and have a conversation. And I would go in there and be like, hey, is there anything you want me to make sure I promote or something? Like, just to make sure that they felt comfortable that they're getting what they yeah. wanted to out of the interview. 
but we would sit there and then, you know, there was, there was one interview that stuck out to me that, that was the genesis for me doing a different podcast, which was that, that 128 podcast, which was, um, and I forget, the, I forget the artist's name, but it's probably better that way, where he was talking to me about how he's really into boxing. And he was like, and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to like understand it, but I was like, I was such a novice. I don't understand it. So watching boxing is like, and he started explaining to me all like the intricacies of boxing and what makes one fighter better than the other. And it was so much more interesting to me to talk to a musician, someone who's like here to promote his album or tour or whatever, being a musician, talking about his hobby and what he loves. And it was boxing. And he was explaining to me all these things and what fighter has been in this. Like, oh, you have to watch this fighter if you watch him do this. To see the excitement out of them was so much more interesting to me. And that was unscripted. And if I tried to go in scripted and the interviews that were scripted from, from people I worked with my peers, I'm ha- I'll, I'll easily say it now, were boring as shit. Because they're because just they're, they're like, yeah, it's the same question right. as everyone else that interviews them ask. Oh, yeah. And I'll say it too is like, you know, uh, as long as I'm not breaking any NDAs, like when we would do like festival things and go to like Coachella, right? I would ask them like, oh, hey, like, wow, we're out here in Cal- like, you know, like what artists are you like? Are you going to see any artists like who do you like? I want to know about you through the things you like and identify the things you like, because maybe it's the same thing I like or maybe it's the same thing other people like. And then my the people I, would, I was working with, some of them, not all of them, to be clear, in case they're listening, would be like, hey, so we're going to go on stage. What are you going to play? I'm like and I would argue. I'd be like, well, who cares? Because by the time we play this interview, like. They've already the been on stage. Yeah. Yeah. The people listening to this are going to hear it in like one song anyway. So who cares? Like why? That's a silly question to me. Like if we're here and we're talking to people, the whole, if they're going to come here and sit down and spend time with us, like let's at least like ask questions that are interesting to the audience. If you can do something and ask, you know, a celebrity questions that's interesting to the audience and fun for the person you're interviewing to talk about, that makes it fun. And so- you would watch the Craig Ferguson interviews and not all of them were home runs far oh, from God, it. No. Yeah. But with that, you'd have some, that were like just these off the cuff, fun interviews. And, and there were some celebrities who would throw off cause they're expecting like, Oh, this isn't what I discussed in the pre-interview, but they would walk in and, and like, he'd be like, you know, asking them questions about movies and they'd have an anecdote and he would take it apart or he would move on. He was a, a fantastic interviewer. And that still wasn't the focus of his show. I still care more about the jokes between him and Jeff and like reading the tweets. And I had the, a crush the, on Craig Ferguson. I was like, too. what does this say about me? I'm 11. This guy is hot. Talk about quote unquote late night TV shows, right? I don't even put even like the Daily Show, which was, you know, which has been like a staple since for how many, you know, 20 something years, 25 years. I don't even put that in the same category because it's it's completely different and it's almost fully scripted and there's no like it doesn't follow the same format, I guess. Um, Oh, yeah. To me, that's completely different. Like that's not even the same universe. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of like when all the when all everything shut down for COVID and they disappeared for a little while, but then they came back to like, oh, we'll just do these from our homes. Like, did you ever watch any of the stuff that 
A couple. I mean, I yeah. thought it was cute when, um, you know, they get their little kids involved and like, you know, that's yeah. funny and it's cute. And I think it made them humans, right? Like it made you yeah. be like, oh, no, these people have whole ass fucking families. <laughs> like they yeah. are they are dads and, you know, like they have a whole universe. I, I kind of see both sides, right? Like it felt like yeah. the world needed comedy, like more yeah. than ever. We just needed yeah. something to turn our brains off a little bit at the end of the these awful freaking days. Yeah. I get what they were trying to do. I just feel like maybe we should just like pretend that those at home things were just not late night TV. They were yeah. just like, you know, like everyone was doing Zoom games and Zoom calls with their friends. Yeah, we were just okay. pretending that our friend was <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon and we were Zoom yeah. calling with them. And I, cause that's what it felt like. Yeah. It didn't it, feel yeah, it like was. late night TV. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing too. I think I think Seth Meyers probably did it the best out of everybody, in yeah. my opinion. Um, everyone else seemed a little bit off kilter, you know. And I don't know why he just tended to take to the format better than others. Um, but the reality is too, and, and the other thing, I, and again, I'm, I'm I won't take credit for it because I, I saw a YouTube video or a TikTok or something, but it was funny because suddenly late night hosts were doing what YouTubers do, right? Yeah. We're just like sitting in front of a camera and just spieling with like a script and just like, you know, you know, doing a commentary on something. Um, and it was interesting to see which ones, you know, were better than others. And, and quite frankly, and I didn't, I didn't see until recently to be, to be clear. Um, James Corden, who had the most like studio esque kind of set up from his home thing, which actually looked still like a studio. Yeah. Was the most, I mean, it, it's just James, James Corden. It's hard to like him. He's not a likable person. Um, we can just return to sender and ship him back to the UK. I'm sorry if any Brits listening to this, but you know, it, fe- it feels weird because like, I really liked him when he came out. I was like, Oh, carpool karaoke. Yeah. This is hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. He's in the Beatles hometown. This is amazing. But then, you know, like things come out about like, he's not very nice. No, he's to not anybody. Nice person. <laughs> but then Allegedly. Jamie Lee Curtis, Recently, it was just like, you are a wonderful person. Don't listen to anyone. I was like, but I trust Jamie Lee Curtis with my life. What's <laughs> happening right now? Uh, she's being nice. That, that's the thing, too. Sometimes celebrities are too nice where it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, what? it's funny. Remember we talked about and I think it was on like the upcoming movies this year, 2023 yeah. movie preview. We talked about like there's some like there are some actors or actresses like you see they sign on to something. You're like, all right, that's a signature of approval. There's others like. I like you, but you sign on to way too much crap. Like you're mm-hmm. you're too nice of a person to say no to some things. And I okay, think that's fair. Like Ryan Gosling, I think we said too, is like he's one where I'm like, if he signs on to something, he doesn't sign on to crappy projects. It's gonna be good. I, I trust yeah. him. Yeah. Um and I think that's another one too, where it's like, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, nothing makes me happier than to see like some of the celebrities get called out when they're shitty, like Ellen. Did. Yeah, that was lovely. And yeah. So, but you know, James well, Corden can As far as like late night hosts go, like this new wave, mm-hmm. I feel like Seth Meyers does not get like the attention that he deserves. No. I agree and with it's, that. And it's very yeah. strange because I enjoy Seth Meyers. I think he's a great comedian. I think he uh it seems like people have a lot of freaking fun on his show. Yeah. But he's not the He'll take you to a bar and get you hammered. Yeah. But he's not going to sit you at a table and make you drink, you know, cow semen yeah. 
for not telling us who <laughs> slid into your DMs in the last 24 hours. You know, so it's like that a very wacky different. Game. Yeah, yeah, so it's very different. And don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, huge Stephen Colbert fan. I love Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And um, we went to go see his show live. It was incredible. I had a great yeah. time. But you you forget that sometimes these people are comedians yeah. at their core. That's what got them to where they are. But I, yeah. I don't forget that with Stephen Colbert. I don't forget that with Seth Meyers. With Jimmy Fallon, he just feels like a character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's, and that's it's not, such, I'm not saying anything bad yeah. about Jimmy Fallon because I also enjoy that show. Yeah. And I've heard he's like a lovely person. I don't know if that's real, but I've, I know people that have met him. He's grown up not too far where I grew up from. Yeah. And people that say like he's still quite lovely to his hometown. And that's nice. But yeah. Well, I, I, all right. I won't say anything about Jimmy Fallon, but I will say you can burst uh, that bubble. I don't care. I'm not. No, no, no. no I won't say, I won't say anything tomorrow. I won't say anything. It's nothing, nothing I can defend, defend in court. Um, no, but I will say, and too, it's like, it's funny because like, I liked Jimmy Kimmel and I still like Jimmy Kimmel, but like, as far as a talk show, I think he's the safest play. Like he just keeps it very, you know, I think Seth Meyers is probably the most approachable, the most organic of them. I think he's, you watch his interviews and he's just being a person. He's breaking out into laughter and stuff, but it's not forced. He's comfortable with the people he's talking to. Um, you know, Kimmel is still doing the traditional, you know, broadcast television late night show yeah. at 1130. And he's best friends with every celebrity. Like, yeah. not just like B-list celebrities, C-list celebrities. Like, no, yeah. he's very good friends with every A-list celebrity. Yeah. Or lives next door to them or has them yeah. over his house for a party. <laughs> his wife throws yeah. parties or something. And I, and I, one of the things that I miss too is like, you know, when something tr tragic would happen, I don't miss the tragedies, but when they did happen, you know, Craig Ferguson was the person who would just be like, hey, we're not doing a show tonight and I'm going to talk to you about like how I'm feeling and what I'm processing. And and it was very cathartic to see something like that. And Jimmy Kimmel is probably the only person now where if like something bad happened, he does. Yeah, you'll see him break into tears on television and be a human being. And then Stephen Colbert, like, you know, I, I, I like Stephen. I like Stephen Colbert's history. I like his career prior but you know one of the things too like some watching some interviews even him interviewing conan you know you're I mean, you know you understand comedy like me like you know the concepts of like yes end right in like mm -hmm. uh and and you watch interviews and and conan is like you know telling a story or something and then you know steven's like oh yeah that didn't happen it's like okay like like you're stopping the story dead track like dead in its tracks like, just go with me. Like, we're, we're both comedians. And yeah, and I think and I've seen a lot of people, you know, critique Stephen Colbert, too, because he's another one, too. He likes to play it safe. He wants to be everyone's friend. He wants he doesn't want to, like, be mean to anybody. He wants to be a nice guy. And sometimes you play it too safe. And it's just like, you, you uh, man, you can't make everyone happy. <laughs> and yeah, you know, yeah. it makes it it makes it milk toast so i feel like he toes the line because he's yeah. very liberal in the way that he thinks of the humans and and the rights of humans but he's also a yeah. die-hard catholic like yeah, 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 very absolutely. religious yeah. person i mean some of my favorite interviews on television are between him and ricky gervais who's like <laughs> the biggest atheist of all atheists yeah. but the two of them can have these hilariously intense conversations together yeah and those are great interviews yeah, but he does. He does kind of straddle the line between two worlds that are definitely at war with each other. Yeah, and uh, 
one thing I do like about Jimmy Kimmel, like you said, is he does tend to say, like, wake the fuck up. Like, why are we letting this happen? Or, you know, before I get into the show, this is what just happened in the world. And we need to take a minute to recognize that. And maybe that's because he has a lot of star power behind him. You know, like he has a lot. He's he's not going anywhere. Nobody's canceling Jimmy Kimmel anytime soon. And I was going to say, too. One of the one of the other thing one of the other things to point out and going back to how this entire conversation started, uh, talking about how with Carson he would have guest hosts all the time, right? Like he yeah. had so many, like you know, Gary Shandling was supposed to be a shoe in for late night, like you know, with Gary Shandling right after the after the Tonight Show because he was such a solid guest host on the on the Tonight Show. He didn't want to do it, and then he went up and decided to do um, the Larry Sanders Show on HBO, which much better off. He did. Okay. There he did. Right. Yeah. He did. All right. But it also put a dent in the concepts of guest hosts on these shows for so long, because suddenly it's like, Oh, you're going to let people guest host your show. Then suddenly you're, there's a target on your back because what if someone's a better host than you? And you, you see it now, right? Who, when was the last time you saw a, a guest host on the tonight show or the late show or late night or late, late show, but Kimmel does. Kimmel's the only person who will like, I'm going to take a couple weeks off. I'm going to go spend time with my family with his son, who he's been very open about and and the struggles there. And he's let, I mean, funny enough, connecting to our last episode, there's always a thread. Rob McElhaney uh, Mm -hmm. guest hosted uh, Jimmy Kimmel live a few times uh, or like did it for a couple days, Um, which I think is, is noble, right? Because everyone else is afraid to do it. It became not a tradition anymore because of what happened back in the eighties. And, He's the only person who's like, yeah, I'm not afraid. <laughs> Go ahead. Host my show. Oh, yeah. I love when Will Arnett hosts. It's oh, yeah, that's right. so off yeah. kilter. It's yeah. like a completely different show. But yeah, you're right. He is the only one willing to take a chance. And don't get me wrong. And I'll say this a million times, probably because I am the I try to find something nice about everything. Yeah. But like I do enjoy Jimmy Fallon. His clips are always like, I am a silly yeah. person. I enjoy silly things. I love puppies. Show me yeah. all the puppies. <laughs> like. Uh, you want Ariana Grande to sing Celine Dion? I love that. You want Melissa McCarthy yeah. to act out Pocahontas? I'm in. Yeah. But it's a different show to me than the Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers world. Yeah. And to, and to peek behind the curtain a little bit, I what frustrates me, though, because I'm with you, right? I like those concepts of being like, you know, it's like going out to karaoke with friends, right? Like, yeah. I am uncomfortable as shit doing karaoke. But we get a few drinks in us. We have some fun. It's silly. It's fun. We all laugh together, right? The thing is, like, and it's funny. I was watching a clip of Seth MacFarlane do a voice pretending to be like, do this voice doing this thing on on Fallon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, he knew beforehand. Like, this is all set up. Like, it's they're all all set up. They're all the magic. That's the magic is like when you learn behind the scenes, it's like. Right. But now yeah. compare that to what we're talking about, like with when you had Ferguson, who would just like rip up the cards. It didn't and like, feel like that. Whatever. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's where, you know, that's what I liked a lot more. And for what it's worth, you know, some of the behind the scenes business of like, there's a lot of celebrities that wouldn't do Ferguson because it was not scripted and it wasn't safe because it wasn't about pre-interviews and you know what questions he's going to ask and things. So it, it meant he didn't get some guests, but at the same time, too, it meant the people that did show up did, you know, they were they were earnest. And it's funny because, you know, connecting to connecting to Stephen Colbert, 
there's been a few times when Stephen Colbert would be like, hey, we're going to have a very serious show. We're going to have like the Dalai Lama on or something, right? Um, Ferguson did that before. Like he was the one who was like, hey, like I think he had the Dalai Lama on the show uh, or something a few times. There was a few people that he had like as like, you know, very, very special guests kind of thing, um, which is, again, I it goes back on that scale of like it's very noble and I appreciate that. And after all this conversation about late night hosts for like an hour, um, who is your top, top, top favorite all time? Oh, that's Craig Ferguson. Yeah. Easily. But I mean, I, I know it's like, I will preface that by saying I could watch that show for what it was and enjoy it every single time. And again, yeah. I think it goes back to the type of comedy that I enjoy, but then right underneath that is going to be Conan for me for a million reasons. But there was a comfort in Conan O'Brien that like, I just had grown up with him on comedy central and I just like, I loved yeah. his, his comedy. Right, I forgot they had the reruns on comedy central. Yeah, like, the next I day, loved right? watching them. And I just, you know, wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch it. So I'd watch it on comedy yeah. central and you know, I, there are episodes of Conan where I can remember like belly over crying, laughing be- yeah. for that reason. Yeah. I would, I love, you know, like things about each one of them, mm. but um, I feel like I was just a little bit too young to appreciate Letterman just by like yeah. a year or two, Yeah, you yeah. know, just like a year or two to say that Letterman is my favorite. Like I know that my fiance's obsession with Dave Letterman, like obsessed, truly loves him. And don't get me wrong. I think it's beautiful what he's done now. Yeah. I mean, that's fair to talk that he's gone on to do. Uh, what's it called? What's the program he does? Is it Netflix? Oh, it's like My Next Guest. My Next Guest. And he's done some really hard-hitting, beautiful interviews on there where he's not the nice guy. If he doesn't like what you're saying, he's just like... Oh, he hated doing interviews. It was his least favorite part of the job. And funny enough, Conan was terrible at doing interviews. And it's so funny to, to watch these two guys who hated doing interviews and it was their least favorite part and it was their the, the part they were the worst at. Go on and let's like you know Conan has like a podcast empire. He sold great to podcast, yeah. XM. And then Con- I mean, uh, and then Letterman is doing this like Netflix series where he's just like I'm gonna interview who I want when I want. Like just do my own thing. It's my it's you know it's it's at his own pace. Yeah, and that's again also very noble. So I appreciate that too. Yeah, I mean and. and- <laughs> feel bad talking shit about Jay Leno because didn't he just like explode in his garage a few months ago? It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I did enjoy Jay Leno. I would watch him every once in a while because he could be silly. There was though, I will say this as like a girl, the age I was, there was, I always felt just a touch uncomfortable sometimes when Jay Leno was interviewing women. Like there was just a little, just a little, and it's me coming from me. I'm like the most inappropriate person I fucking know. But, um, (laughs) There's always a touch with Jay Leno. I was like, in the real world, if I ran into you, my mother would hold my hand and cross the street because you are you could be a creeper like he. And, but I, I do have people yeah. in my world that have said that they've met him. My cousin, um, who unfortunately passed very young, but he lived in Hollywood and he would say all the time. He's like he knew Conan. He thought Conan was great. And Jay Leno was like a very nice guy. He would do a lot of events and Jay Leno would be there and he'd be like, Jay Leno's like really good 
two people yeah. in the service industry, which is someone in the service industry. I was like, that's a good barometer <laughs> of whether you suck or not. Now, yeah. let's go back to James Corden in that world. Not so great to people in the service industry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one of the famous clips recently is now um, he was doing, was it like Kimmel or something? He was like doing a game where it's like, oh, answer this question or take a shot kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was... I think it was Kimmel because Kimmel has no problem like pushing those buttons and like he did with the whole Leno Conan situation. Um, and he was like, name any of your cameramen. Like the oh first name God, of any that. of your cameramen. Oh my God, I saw that. And then he couldn't answer. So we took, took a shot. And oh it was just my like, God, I saw know. that. <laughs> but it just pushes like, yeah, what an asshole. What a, and just a, is anyone replacing him? You know, what's funny is they're, they haven't announced who would replace him. Because he's re- yeah. he's done right like this he's done it. he's okay. he's calling it quits. Um, I forget when when it's wrapping up. I believe the last episode is April twenty seventh of twenty twenty three. Which mm, um, this is very when you're listening to this, timing. Yeah, so depending on when you're listening to this, it either happened or is gonna happen. But it's you know, um, so then it's just a matter of like who yeah who's gonna replace him. Um, is there anyone you could think of that would be worthy of replacing him? I don't know. I'm really I've really been enjoying watching Chelsea Handler on um, the Daily Show. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed her. Yeah. I just I've always loved her. A very I, coarse, yeah. cutting, inappropriate woman. Yeah. Sign me up. Well, I was going to say Sarah Silverman. In oh, that scene, that'd be great. Also been filling in because like, well, the difference is like Chelsea Handler's done a show. We know what that looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. Sarah Silverman did like she did. Um, she had a Comedy uh, Central she, skit show, right? She, yeah, she well, she had her the Sarah Silverman program. She did a show for Hulu, which was a little bit more politically oriented. Um, but she hasn't done this. And like I, I kind of might might mean you know obviously based on this conversation, I hope someone at CBS is listening. Um, we'll have to hyper target billboards and stuff so they all watch okay, listen okay. to this episode. But um, my hope is that you bring someone with that zaniness and that fun that was Craig Ferguson because. From a business perspective, too, it's super cheap to just have like no writing staff, minimal writing staff, just a host who can just vamp and just, you know, do audience and crowd work and just be silly with like a co-host. And the co-host doesn't even have to be a human being. Look at that. Like, that's great. So um, I feel like I feel like Craig Ferguson would be a cheap option uh, back then. So but I feel like, you know, have someone like Sarah Silverman, um, because I think, yeah, there obviously is a view of you know they're we're overdue to have a good solid i mean not to discount like samantha b and what she did um but i would like to see on one of the legacy networks in one of the legacy shows to see a um a female talk show host um, i agree and she's and great will, she does not yeah. she's cutting without being uh you know, she she's very intelligent in the way that she speaks yeah. and does her comedy, which I feel like you kind of have to be if you're going to fill. It's just going to have to yeah. be different from what's there and anything's going to be better. Let's be honest. So, yeah. Oh, and, and funny enough, I mean, the thing is, like, even when she's been covering on The Daily Show. It's when she makes a comment, makes a joke, she has this smirk. I mean, I loved Sarah Silverman all the way back to Mr. Show. Um, yeah. And when she makes a joke or something and like doing a monologue, like she has a, like a look in her face that isn't like when Chelsea Handler makes a joke, she's looking, 
that pausing moment while the audience is reacting, right, is always the, the moment for me. Mm-hmm. Going back to like when Conan, we just kind of like stare at it like, oh my God, like that was such a stupid joke or Letterman, we just kind of like roll his eyes. You know, Chelsea Handler, when she's been doing the coverage too, she has this look like, yeah, you like that, don't you? Whereas Sarah is like, silly me, like has like a, like a, it's, it's all silly. It's not, mm-hmm. don't take any of this seriously. And I think we need that. Um, and, and funny enough too, I mean, you know, the, even the way we're talking about like late night TV shows and when Corden and Fallon came on and, and to their shows, like, well, Fallon to specifically onto, uh, the tonight show, they were all gunning for like, let's just copy what the UK is doing. Let's just copy those panels. Let's copy Graham Norton. I don't know what you would do today. I don't know if you look at like YouTube and like the way some stuff works there or what you look at, but, um, so I think you have to reinvent something, or try something different. And I will, one other, one, other, one other note is that the grandmasters of all this, um, it's not anymore, but when David Letterman was hosting the late show, he had ownership over the late, late show. So that time slot, it was like him picking who went in that spot. And um, NBC, it's actually Lauren Michaels has kind of taken over that where he's the one who programs those late night spots over there too. Um, but that's also why you got who you got in those spots on the late, late show. So, but now it's up to CBS by themselves. Like Stephen Colbert has no say over who gets the late, late show. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. We shall see. Yeah, <laughs> we will see. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of tears lost for uh, James Corden. No. And also, I mean, we're skipping over it, too. And I said it's not in the same vein, but like the the Daily Show has to find a new host, too. Yeah. And I, I was a big Daily Show fan. Always have been loved. John yeah. Stewart loved Trevor Noah. I've loved what they've done with that show. I've I felt like it was really important for the world to have yeah. comedy attached to news, but intelligent comedy attached to news. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I it's also such a fucking precarious time in the world right now. It's just yeah. like I don't yeah. know. I would want that job. Yeah. I don't know who goes in that spot. I mean, me either. John Stewart was a hard act to follow in general, and. You know, I mean, I, I, what did you latch on to Trevor Noah? Did you? Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Trevor Noah's comedy. I thought he did yeah. a good job. And I also thought that, uh, one thing I did like about Trevor Noah is if he didn't like you and you were a guest on his show and he didn't like what you stood for, he did not butter it up for good television, <laughs> Yeah, which made for very uncomfortable viewership. But yeah. I also appreciated that. Um, I don't know. I don't know who could go there. Yeah. And I will say too, I mean, and there's been clips all over the internet and TikTok and stuff, but like I, I, the, the John Stewart show on Apple TV plus, which is the problem with John Stewart. Like I went in, like a lot of people probably did expecting like, okay, this is just going to be the new daily show. This will be what I watch. And it, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. And I was like, I walked out of there and had to pop a few extra Xanax. Cause I was like, that hurt. Like, yeah, that was, that was difficult. Um, he is really uh, where I think he's doing what he's always wanted to do with his yeah. platform right now. So, yeah, I'm glad he's getting um, that opportunity. Yeah. And to be clear, like, I'm not bitter about it. I'm just like, it's the same thing with, with oh, David yeah. Letterman, which is like, hey, you guys do what you want to do. Like you have You've earned, you've earned it. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. earned it. Um, and I will say, too, and this is another funny one, too, is um, keep in mind 
John Oliver is doing last week tonight because Comedy Central wasn't ready to give him his own show or promise him the ability to take over the, the Daily Show. That could have been John Oliver. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. He filled in for the whole summer prior when John Stewart was filming a movie, uh, directing at first, his first movie. Um, and that was prior. And then and then out of that, that jettisoned him to HBO to go do Last Week Tonight. So there's a whole world where we could have had something very different. Yeah. And I'm not trying to sound jaded. And I, yeah. I know this probably will come off that way. But the world just doesn't consume television that no. way anymore. I don't have cable. Yeah. I I think my mom is the only person I know with cable. Like <laughs> exactly. still has a cable box. Yeah. And I don't consume television that way anymore and I can't be alone. I know the entire generation below me. Yeah. They like would never in a million years pay for cable. Like are you nuts? Like absolutely yeah. not. So I just feel like there's a a universe where late night television doesn't have the same effect on people as it did before. Yeah. So like you said there, I mean, I get why they have to do all these things to keep people interested and to keep the clips hot because we've gone into a society where it's a clip on YouTube the next day, or it's an Instagram reel, or it's a TikTok yeah. clip. It has to fit in three minutes. And I can't tell you how many episodes of televisions I have watched on TikTok when it's like yeah. a clip from a show. And then it's like, Part two, part three, yeah. part four. And I'm like, I just watched an entire episode of like Grey's Anatomy when I've watched yeah. the whole show. Why wouldn't I just watch the show? But I just apparently want to watch it in three minute clips. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of happened to a lot of television. And I don't know. I just feel like that the whole world of late night television is, is you know, where do they go from there? Because. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not watching it live. <laughs> Look, I'm still bitter over the cancellation of Last Call with Carson Daly. Okay, like Come that's on. that was the that, that was the man. epitome of, of good television. I will I will give it credit by the way too. Is um, Last Call with Carson Daly was a funny show. They tried to they tried so many different variations on the show, and there was a point. And again, me and my friends used to go and see TV shows. We would go see The Daily Show. We'd go see. Um, a handful of shows late night with Conan O'Brien. Uh, we also got to go see cause no one else was clamoring for tickets. Uh, last call with Carson Daly, which the only, I, I swear to God, I could not tell you anything about what I saw. I only remember is it was during the summer and because it was during the summer and there wasn't a, there wasn't a studio for his show. So during the summer, they would let him film his show in studio eight H, which was the, the SNL studio. So I got to sit Poor in Carson. the SNL studio and watch a okay. show, but it just wasn't SNL. It was just so. Carson. I mean, yeah. he's still royalty to me. TRL ruled my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> my adolescence. What he said goes, honestly. Yeah. But. That's like, what's his name from MTV? He did the news. Why can I not think of it? Dave. Dave Holmes. I yeah. love Dave Holmes. To me, there was no smarter human in the world than Dave Holmes. I will tell Dave, you, I worked with the, I worked with Dave. Was he lovely? He was a, he's a lovely man. Oh, thank so, God. I love Dave him. Dave Holmes lived up to the expectations. Jesse, I don't know. And I never met Jesse. I'm just kidding. Remember that whole thing? The, oh, the whole God, MTV? Yes. I watched it. Was down it. To the wannabe of VJ and, yeah. and Jesse. <laughs> what was his name? Jesse Camp? Yes. Yeah. yeah. With his giant hair and bell bottoms. Oh, Which, I remember. Do you remember he beat out 
Dave Holmes. Yeah, the world. We could not have not any of that. We love Dave Holmes. When he came on your news on MTV with that spinning globe, I was like, oh, God, what's happened in music news? I feel like this is worth saying. <laughs> what's Courtney love again? Like is, I feel like I, I should. I feel like this is worth saying. Jesse Camp is still alive. I just want to say that because I, thought I know I was thinking overdose. it. <laughs> I swear to God. I know I was thinking it. I just wanted to say it out loud because I think there is a world. No way. Where you're just really like, oh, alive? yeah, R.I.P. Jesse Camp. Yeah, he is actually. In I, fact, I legitimately thought he died of an overdose. <laughs> just to point it out, by the way, because this is the funniest part to me. The last line of oh, his Wikipedia entry is. On July 24th, 2018, the Riverside Police Department confirmed that Camp was found safe. That's the last line of his Wikipedia page. So he looks um, unfortunate. I've just yes. Googled a picture of, of Jesse Camp. Yeah. I didn't now. say he was doing well. I just I just okay. said to be clear, he's alive. But that's yeah. I mean, that's lovely. Also, that was goals in life to get to the MTV <laughs> Spring Break House. And to get on MTV's Want to Be a VJ. Life yeah. goals. I also sent in an application in for Real World when I was 19. Oh, no. But I did not get have to send a video. No, I oh, didn't you get to did? send okay. a video. Oh. I had to fill the application in. Then they asked for the video. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> they didn't want me. It's okay. Yeah. Um. Their loss. <laughs> Could be me hosting the Tonight Show. But I will say, Dave Holmes, very nice man. Oh, happy! To, I was, I was very. You understand? It was, it was, it, it sort of, um, it did help me personally when I was just like, yeah, me and Dave Holmes are both radio hosts on the same at the same. Yeah, that company. would make me feel real good. Yeah, so yeah. I was just like, all right, yeah, no, we're we're on the same level. Me and Dave Holmes, who I watched, oh. you know, shake Jesse's hand as he took second place in the. You he know, just had a podcast last year where he talked mm. about a um boy band group that was like supposed to explode uh, and uh they never even recorded a song but they like shot all these promos and it was like huge boy band that was supposed to happen and then they just like disappeared yeah and i enjoyed it immensely but i i will say that um in the same vein did you include like the chelsea handler show in late night tv because or like the comedy central ones because they were all touted themselves as late night television but it's yeah. it's not the late night television we're talking about no it's not and, and for what it's worth also um remember netflix tried to do something too with um uh whose name i'm gonna forget now from uh, joel McHale. they tried yes. to do something with joel McHale, um, which i have a theory about it, i'll get back to no i never i mean to me even conan was kind of like all right well he gets a pass because he's conan o'brien he came from that but I mean, because, you know, to that extent, it's like, oh, where do we stop? Do we, you know, is is uh, Watch What Happens Live a late night show? Do we put that in the same category? Yeah, you know, there, it's weird. Has an audience and all the all the all the trimmings, you know, so do we consider that to be a part of this world or not? But I don't know. Um, if anything, I just hope I educated people. But do you put that in the same camp? No, okay. I don't. But I, I also um, consume them differently, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, I will say this. Yeah. Okay. This is my hope. And this was where I was a little frustrated with um, when Chelsea Handler had her show on Netflix and when um, uh, Joel McHale had his show on Netflix when they were trying to do like topical humor and kind of do something like that. I think Chelsea's show was the most specific where it's like, no, 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 it comes out at this time and you can go watch it. Yeah. 
Netflix never had a concept of doing like live programming. And so not that long ago, they did they did Chris Rock's comedy special, which they premiered live. So when you tune in, it was it was their first ever live event. Netflix has never done that before. And so if there's a world where they decide, let's try to do late night television again, let's try to do topical, like something like that. Because there is something to the effect of like when there are the Emmys or the Oscars or like the Super Bowl or any kind of like live event we're all tuned into, even during the presidential election, right? How many people were actually tuned in to watching the debates and things, right? It was just like fodder for like Twitter and everyone's kind of all talking about the same thing at once and oh, do you like the fly on what's his name's head? Like yeah. you got those moments because it was live and that's the part that I do miss from broadcast and me being a nerd from the world of broadcasting, like that's the type of stuff that I do miss, but you only get that when you have that medium. So yeah, we have, you know, we have concepts of like live events and things, but um, my hope, fingers crossed, is that like Netflix leans into that and says, okay, what else can we do that's live, that's timely, that everyone tune in for this. My hope, again, like which we're talking about, we'll be talking about eventually is like Stranger Things is going to wrap things up soon, right? Yeah. They have those like post, you know, like uh, wrap up show things they do. Like, oh, let's talk to the cast and whatever they thought and stuff. I, fingers crossed, I think they should do that. I think they should do that live. That'd be, I would watch that. That's like yeah. a no brainer. I would absolutely yeah. tune in for that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the stuff that, that I mean, that's the stuff that gets exciting that gets people talking that you don't get anymore. You know, late night shows are filmed at, in the afternoon. I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, it happens. But anyway, I love that. Yeah. See, I had I had a, I had to educate the world about late night television. If you like learned it. something, let me know. I, I hope I, I hope I, hope I learned I, something. Do I count? Well, well, <laughs> you do. No, you absolutely okay, do. Cool. You're the one with the fun facts all the time. So if I can educate or if I can share some like really cool knowledge with you, uh, now you know why. What, well, what did did you know? So, all right, actually, to go back, did you know the full story behind Conan, or did I correct some things? Because again, I, I swear. Oh, you know, you definitely corrected things because my okay. my knowledge of it was very topical. It was very on the surface. Like, I know he got screwed. I didn't know how he got screwed. Yeah. Um. You know, and I and I, I loved Conan O'Brien. There's an episode yeah. of Conan O'Brien where he goes to an Irish dance studio and pretends to learn how to do Irish River Dance with a bunch of six-year-old girls, and it might be my favorite late-night television show episode ever, and yeah. Henry and I talk about it all the time, and we quote it. But I, to me, Conan was um, always the underdog, right? And I think that's why yeah. I liked him so much. Probably same with Craig Ferguson. I always liked the underdog. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. And then when everything happened, I felt like, maybe a little kinship towards Conan. So it was just like, oh, he got so fucked and he's so talented. That yeah. sucks that that happened to such a nice guy. I just didn't yeah. know how. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, how and or why. And I'll say too, I mean, there was something special about, and again, I was, I got to be there, which I'm excited I get to at least say I was there for that. But his studio, like when he did Late Night with Conan O'Brien, it was in this small studio. It was dimly lit. It felt scrappy. It felt like no one was watching. It felt like they're just doing this and, you know, hijacking NBC's airwaves every night. It felt very homemade. And then you go out and he does, you know, he did The Tonight Show. Then he did Conan, which he's in L.A. and he has a giant studio with a big space. That's the one where he'd always shit on his assistant because that was funny. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. But even like the the uh, the format of it being brighter and more lit and just 
more Hollywood lost a little bit of something for me. But to your point, like my favorite things about Conan were those like moment, like with some of the bits and then the remotes he did. And then obviously he's leaned into that now. And by the way, he and, and everyone's still kind of like waiting patiently, but he did sign a deal with with HBO to do content, do something there. So even though his show is gone, like hmm. the expectation is he's essentially going to continue doing like what he was doing, which was like Conan without borders and things like that, where he's just like, it's just a hundred percent remotes, right? The thing that everyone loved yeah. is just him going traveling and going to try stuff and things. And that stuff is still hilarious. Um, but we'll see. And, and honestly, I'm, uh, he went to know. my fiance's cousin's wife's farm in West town, New York. Well, I mean, it was six degrees there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my fiance's cousin, <laughs> yeah. his wife's family farm. It was a big deal for them. Yeah. I can Very have... funny episode. Have you ever seen the one where he goes to, um, it's in Long Island. It's uh, Old Beth Page Restoration. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty damn good one. of the one. best ones. Yeah, it's him, a pretty good yeah. one. Him screaming, like pointing at the airplane and screaming, what is that demonry, is probably one of my favorite bits he did. Uh, as he's trying to like play old timey baseball, so I love that. I love me that. too. Anyway, so I'm glad I got to teach someone I liked something. It. Yeah, I hope I taught to other people, and I hope I at least corrected whatever TikTokers are out there falsely spreading lies about the entire whatever happened to Conan, whatever happened to Leno, and all those people. And it's all wrong. I just told you everything. And God forbid I got anything wrong in this. I, you know. <laughs> I really hope not. We're going to get our first angry fan mail. <laughs> Please, I'll accept it. I will. I right. will you okay. know, it's, it's one thing I care about being correct about is, is my history of late night television. So hopefully, hopefully I didn't get anything wrong there. Because then I, I, then what has my entire life been about? I mean, I'll take it because I'm wrong at least 10 times an episode. So I'm good with it. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye.